do the important stuff first. I think I'm on, right? <clears throat> let's, first of all, let's turn to First uh, Chronicles 28. Uh, verses, verse, nine, and we'll go. Uh, we'll, we'll start here very quickly. But uh, I don't know who I was talking to. Maybe it was myself. Um, but normally, when because Pastor has us on a rotation, like I preach in July and January, and I don't know when anybody else preaches. That's I don't. I don't need to worry about them. Usually, I know what I'm going to preach three, four, six, eight weeks before I, before I get up here. This week, this time, I didn't know until probably Thursday morning. Um, I had an idea Wednesday morning, but that changed uh, when I was doing my devotions on Thursday. So uh, just a reminder <laughs> for a faithful devotional life, because I write stuff down in my Bible all the time. I have texts that I send back and forth. Of Bible verses to family members and friends. I have a notebook that I keep with my Bible, and I was coming up with nada. So, uh, and honestly, up until about six, eight weeks ago, for the last six, eight weeks, it was kind of dry in my Bible reading. I, yeah, I've read a lot of Bible in the last six, eight weeks, but it's been kind of, <laughs> kind of slim pickings. So, uh, don't. It, it's obviously me, but. Uh, so let's get let's get started, and uh, helps if I go to the right book. I was in Second Chronicles, so let's go to First Chronicles twenty-eight. First Chronicles twenty-eight nine. And thou Solomon, my son, know thou the will of thy God, and serve Him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all the hearts and understandeth all imaginations of all hearts, and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of him, of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you that we can, Lord, we have a book that we can go to and you speak to me. And Lord, I know you've spoken to me when I was preparing for this message. And I pray that you'll allow me to be a blessing to others with what you've shown me. And just allow me to say what you'd have me to say and not say what I wouldn't, what I'm not supposed to say. Uh, in your name I pray, amen. So tonight's message will be on seeking the Lord. Um, that's, and if you're like me, I was, I was, as I was reading, I was noticing some patterns. And I was like, okay, so what does it mean? Because Solomon is told to seek the Lord. Okay, that, and seek is mentioned quite often in scripture. So I, you look in the dictionary and it says to go in search of, on a quest for, to search for by going from place to place. Okay, that, that's kind of helpful, but... Uh, not really. Um, seek is something followed by sometimes on or after. To seek God by his name or his face in his, in his scripture to ask favor, direction, and assistance. So again, we're not getting a lot of help. Um, to seek peace or judgment, to endeavor to promote it or to practice it. So again, we're not getting a lot of help. But before I get too much farther, I just, it, just, it just amazes me. Um, the, the, pow the power of regular Bible reading. As I was just reading through there, I was, I was reminded again of the importance, and as I was studying for the message, 
the importance of reading the whole Bible. Um, if you just read the New Testament, you're missing out on a lot. Um, and I just did some, did some quick figuring. The, the King James Bible has 783,000 words in it. The average, the average adult American can read anywhere from 250 to 300 words a minute. So let's say that you're a slow reader and you read 150 words a minute. You can read through your Bible twice a year if you read 30 minutes a day. So I was like, wow, I didn't know it was that, you had, I didn't know it was that little. Um, but just some reasons, you need it. Romans 15, 4, whatsoever written four time was written for our learning. Um, and then you may be asked to preach and have no clue what you're going to preach about. Um, <laughs> literally. Um, but let's get into the message. Uh, so seek is mentioned in the Bible 244 times. Uh, 97 times it's in reference to someone seeking God or God seeking someone or something. 13 times in Chronicles, mainly in 2 Chronicles. And in fact, the references that are in 1 Chronicles are David to his son saying, you should seek God. Um, 18 times in Psalms, 12 times in Isaiah. So right there is over a third of it in, in three books. Now, they're three pretty big books, but and then sought is mentioned 126 times. 14 times it's in reference to God. Six times in Chronicles and five times in Psalms. So there's a lot of times in, the, in Chronicles, and that's where I, where I saw it, where the word seek or sought is used. Um, a couple points of observation, consideration. Um, the children of Israel were, were instructed to seek God twice in the book uh, seek God twice in the book of, Je of Deuteronomy, only twice, and that's mo and both times by Moses as he's giving his basically his deathbed speech to the children of Israel. You know, like the pastor says, and in, in discussion I've had with pastor, you know, mom telling her kids everything they need to do before they go to camp. But at the same token, mo Deuteronomy is a powerful book because it's the last time that Moses speaks to the children of Israel. He's he is dying. Well, he's going, to be, he's going to be taken up, not to be seen again until the tribulation. Well, the Mount of Transfiguration. But um, So let's go to, um, and then one other time, is, and it's interesting. Seek is also mentioned in 1 Samuel 13. So let's go there. So in the book of Judges, in the book of... First and Second Kings and Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, it's not mentioned at all with respect to God. Now, in First Samuel, um, one of the mentions is Saul is looking for um, the, his father's donkeys, and it says he's seeking them. But what, that's, what I'm, I'm just focusing on where people are seeking God. And this is interesting, Psalms, uh, 1 Samuel 13, 14. Um, but, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be a captain over his people, because thou hast not kept the commandment, because thou hast not kept what the Lord commanded thee. So we have Saul, 
who is told he's being replaced because he didn't, the implication is he didn't seek God. He was looking for his father's donkeys. He went all over Israel looking for David. But there is no, well, there's one time when he sought for God, but then he resorted to a witch. At the end of his life, he went to the witch at Endor. So Saul was messed up. But, um, and then there's, so this is a condemnation of Saul's disobedience. And then there's several reasons why I think there's the big jump. I think it's safe to assume that David is a person who seeks after God. Because if you, let's go to... uh, Acts 13.22. Uh, let's see here. Let's go, to, let's go to verse 21. And after they had desired a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a kiss, the man, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto, him, unto them David, their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill my will, which is a, which is a direct, uh, you know, this is a direct quote of what the verse we just read in 1 Samuel. But then if it's a fulfillment of 1 Samuel 16, 13, where, and I'll just read it. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of their brethren. The Spirit of God came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Um, David is assumed by his life and the book of Psalms, which is mainly David's writings, that David sought after God. It's assumed. Um, and I think the other the reason it's mentioned a lot in Chronicles, it's not assumed that the 30 or 40 jokers that were the king of Israel were seeking after God. So first, first and second chronicles from the time David dies until the end of the reign of the kings is about 400 years, give or take, depending on who you believe. Um, there was a lot of kings in there, and there was only six who were really good and eight or nine who were good but then did some bad stuff. So, so in, not, in 400 years, there was not a lot of good going on. And then there's an ad- admonition for seeking God because they lived in some uncertain times. It's just some, just some, uh, just some th- this is all by introduction, by the way, but the, uh, some things that were happening then. Now it's not going to happen to us, but these are uncertain times. The kingdom is divided. And only one time does a northern king do anything close that resembles repentance. And go, let's go to 1 Kings 21. And this jumped out to me, out to me the last, I don't remember when I saw it. I saw it within the last couple of years. And I've read through my Bible plenty of times, not as many as I should have, but I know this was in the last 24 months that I saw this. Um, well, it's been, it's been like 20 months because I got this Bible in November of 19, and it's underlined here, and it's not underlined in my other Bible. So, but uh, verse 27. So this is the one time that there's anything close to repentance. And it came to pass that when Ahab heard these words, he, that he rent his clothes and put on sackcloth and went, went, upon, flesh, went upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went softly. 
So that's the only thing that's close, but it doesn't say that Ahab repented. It's just Ahab was sorry he got caught. But that's as close as you'll see as a, nor a northern king behaving himself. And it's the one guy that was a terrible, you know, he's the bad king by which all other bad kings are measured. Um, so let's see here. Let's, that's, that's talking about Ahab. So there's some uncertainty there. The kings were killing their brothers. How many times do you hear, and so-and-so, when he became king, immediately went out and killed the rest of the family? That happened like two or three times. Like I was running out of time, couldn't find them all. But it happened at least twice in the southern kingdom and a bunch of times in the northern kingdom. Um, they were invaded by a million-man army uh, during Asa's reign. You know, a band came up out of Ethiopia. And then it says in 2 Chronicles 14, let's go there. We're going to read this only because I, I like this verse. It has really nothing, doesn't even have to do with the message per se, but it's a good verse. So we're going to read it. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord God, for we rest on thee. And in thy name we go out against this multitude, O Lord our God, thou art God. Let no man prevail against thee. And if you read through the rest of the chapter, the king coming up out of Ethiopia is defeated, and they win. The good guys win. Uh, and Asa is one of the good kings. Um, so another thing of uncertainty they were besieged a bunch. During Hezekiah's reign, they were besieged. And then after Hezekiah, they were besieged almost continually. So the people in Chronicles had a lot of uncertainty. And I think we live in a time of, I would say, uncertainty. Um, you know, in the last 18 months, you can go in public without a mask. You can't go in public without a mask. Um, you have to stand on your left foot when you go, well, whatever, because you're going to, whatever, just insert, insert crazy thing that you've never heard of before that's now purported as gospel. There's a lot of confusion out there. So we as Christians need to be, um, we as Christians need to take seeking God seriously. Uh, let's, let's, um, there's a couple other things with respect to this. During these last days, uh, we can learn from those who sought God during this time. It's never too late from, to, for revival. Never. Um, you know, if you look, if you look at, if you look at the, the chron chronology, and I just, just discussed it, there was 20 kings from David to the end. And only six were purely good kings, which were Asa, Jehoshaphat, Uzziah. But even Uzziah went into the Holy of Holies and got himself leprosy. Um, Jotham, Hezekiah. Hezekiah had some pride problems, and he didn't care about his grandchildren. Um, and then Josiah. But let's go look at Hezekiah really quick. Um, Hezekiah was condemned. And this verse always, um, this verse always scares me. Let's go to Hez, uh, 2 Chronicles 32, 25, and 26. This one always scares me. Um, 
this is talking about, let's go to verse 24. In those days, Hezekiah was sick unto death and prayed unto the Lord, and he spake unto him and gave him a sign. So this is, this is abbreviating the passage in 2 Kings. But Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him, for his heart was lifted up, therefore wrath was upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. Notwithstanding, so Hezekiah did some bad things for being, he was proud. Notwithstanding, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. So Hezekiah did some bad stuff, showed the Babylonians where all the good stuff was, and was condemned for it, but then he repented of it, and God saved, pushed out the problems another generation. Then Josiah, interestingly enough, if Hezekiah had died when God said he was going to die, Manasseh would have never been born. And Manasseh is by far the worst king of the southern kingdom. Everybody will say he was, a, he was terrible, and he was. If, if, God, if Hezekiah, so what, what am I saying about that? I don't know. But sometimes it's fighting God is not always a good thing. He may give you your wish, even if it'll hurt other people. And I'm not I don't know how to rationalize all that in my, my human brain. But if I'm just making an observation that if Hezekiah had died when God told him he was going to, Manasseh would have never been born. Maybe that's why God said you're going to die. But who knows? I don't know. I just, this is merely a, here's an observation. You figure it out. I can't. Um, <laughs> Um, and then Jos so the Josiah, um, but just keep in mind, after Josiah, there was only 22 and a half years from the time Josiah died until they were taken into captivity. So Josiah was the last of the, last of the kings. But it says Josiah, Second well, Chronicles 34. Let's go to... Verse 3, for in the eighth year of his reign, so when he was 16 years old, while he was yet young, began he to seek after the Lord God of David his father. And in the twelfth year, so when he's 20 years old, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. So he's cleaning house. So let's skip down to, to chapter 35. So Josiah gets a lot of real estate in your Bible and Chronicles. He gets a few chapters. Some of these guys get half a page in my Bible, but Josiah gets a few pages. 35:18. So this is talking about after the purification of the temple, after it's been, you know, they threw everything in the Brook Kidron. They sweep it out, fix it up, and got all the priests back to where they could be priests because a lot of them had, you know, disqualified themselves. And there was no, and let's look at verse 18. For there was no Passover like to that kept in, in Israel from the days of Samuel the prophet. Oh, let's see. Neither did all things, all the kings of Israel keep such a Passover as Josiah kept. And the priests and the Levites and all Judah and Israel that were present and the inhabitants of Israel. In the 18th year, 
of the reign of Josiah was this Passover kept. So it's saying even better than David and Solomon, David who was a man after God's own heart, and Solomon who built one of the greatest temples Israel ever had, Josiah, so they was a national revival. The end of the story is 13 years later, he goes out against the Egyptians. He dies. But um, he dies in the Valley of Megiddo. So even in this crazy time, there was a revival. So I'm saying it may not, you know, in our case, our country's kind of messed up right now. But there is an opportunity, revival. But it's only for those who seek after God. There is no, let's just, see, let's just have revival and forget all the stuff before that. that does, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. I said that. I said that for the benefit of my children. Inside joke, I'm sorry, because I saw Lydia laughing. And I knew if I said, never mind. Anyway. Um, see, too often, the problem with me is I know... I can tell you the words from almost every song I've ever heard, good or bad, almost every movie I've ever seen, good or bad, and they come out in the weirdest places. I just, so kids, be careful what you listen to, because even the stuff you hear by accident, it's in there. And I could kill one of the ones who's not here tonight because she's got a concussion because she put a song in my head and when she sings it the way that way, she does it to get on my nerves sometimes, it sticks in there even more. You know who you are, Bethany. Um, um, and she better be watching. <laughs> so, so what's the point of all this? So I just spent three pages of my notes talking about seeking and all the seeking that was going on during the book of Chronicles. And there was a lot of it. And that's what jumped out at to me as I was reading my Bible. Um, I was reading through, I was, you know, halfway through, and I'm like, wow, seek is mentioned a ton of times in here. It's like, okay, so maybe this is something I need to pay attention to. You know, like in a, in a lot of the Old Testament books, there's a, there's a key word or phrase that's over and over and over again. In Ezekiel, one of them is that they may know that I am the Lord. That's a, looking up in Ezekiel, that's all over the place. Um, but it's all, so when, when you see those, pay attention. Now, it took me till I was in chapter 20, I think, before I caught on. But hey, I caught on eventually. But it's in there all over the place. So when you see those, um, pay attention. Um, so the so some things about seeking. It's a de deliberate action that takes preparation. If you look in the Bible, there is, there is very little. Um, let's, let's get into it. 2 Chronicles 12.14. 2 Chronicles 12.14. I'm jumping ahead of myself in the notes with that comment. Now this is talking about Rehoboam. The first of the bad, well, he's the second of the bad kings, first of the bad kings in the line of David. And it said, um, and he did evil. Boy, how'd you like that to be your, the first sentence of the summary of your life? And he was a bad guy. Great. Because, and well, here's why. Because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. 
So it says he didn't do the steps necessary to do what's right. So his, he switched to default mode and went right to evil. That is your default mode. That is my default mode. My default mode is not to keep my temper, no, not to you know, keep my temper, not to be you know, a good Christian person. My default is run people off the road, punch them out, all those things that you shouldn't do. That's me. We, nobody likes the real David Corey. And when, I, when he shows up at 47 Charles Street, it's bad news. It's not, there's, there's no joy in Mudville when, I, when the real me shows up. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not a good person. And you aren't either. Um, but, you know, I, not, to, not to burst any bubbles, but, you know, you're, you're, not, you're not all that in a bag of chips. Um, some of us have eaten more than one bag of chips. <laughs> this is not a body built by salad. Um, but it takes work. It takes work. Um, let's go to another one. Let's go. This is the where I first noticed it. Second Chronicles 19. So we'll be able to be. We'll be in mostly these these uh, this little area here. Second Chronicles 19, verse 3. This is where I started to notice it. Nevertheless, these are the things found in thee that they have taken away the groves out of the land. This is talking about Jehoshaphat, one of the good guys. And has prepared thine heart to seek God. So he did the work. I'm not going to make a quote there. There is one there. Uh, Second Chronicles 30. And we'll just... Second Chronicles 30. So this is a while after. There's, a long There's not a huge amount of time between Hezekiah and Jehoshaphat, but it's not five years. Uh, verse 18 through 20. Uh, let's, so this is the prayer of Hezekiah. For the multitude of the people, this is after they had cleaned out the, the uh, temple and had made another Passover. Uh, for the multitude of the people, many, even many of Ephraim and Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun had not cleansed themselves, yet they did eat the Passover otherwise than it is written. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, The good Lord pardon everyone. That prepareth his heart to... So there, you'll notice there's not a period after, at the verse, end of verse 18. That everyone that prepareth his heart to seek God, that the, the God, Lord God of his, of our, of his fathers though he hath not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. And the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah and healed the people. So they did, some, they did some things they shouldn't have done, and Hezekiah prayed for them. But the point being, they were supposed to prepare their hearts. And then one last one, Ezra, so we're going to leave there, Ezra 7.10. So Ezra is the guy who rebuilt the temple after captivity. And in verse 10, For Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgment. So, again, this is preparation. But my thought was, okay, he prepared his heart. You see that phrase a bunch of times. 
but you don't see anywhere, thou shalt do such and such to prepare your heart. And if there, it is there, please let me know. But I don't think it's there. So what, it, so what do we do to prepare our heart? We have to look at, you know, you know pastors covering Bible study on Wednesday night and comparing scripture with scripture and looking at overriding principles. Well, this is one where it talks about um, preparation. We're, we're, gonna, we're not going to study on preparation, but preparation is mentioned 47 times in scripture. This, and this, this I didn't realize until I was studying for this. 18 of them were in Ezekiel. All of them except two which, by the way, those are the ones that talk about the scriptural reference um, way to prepare Ezekiel bread. And I hope the Ezekiel bread they sell in Wegmans is not prepared according to these, that chapter. Do your own reading. I don't want Ezekiel bread if that's how it's made. But all of, so 16 times in Ezekiel it's mentioned where it's talking about sacrifice over and over and over again with respect to preparation. Um, so in the Old Testament, it was animals. But, in, so, but we in the New Testament, we don't go out, you know, according to Hebrews, it's not the blood of bulls and goats, thankfully. Because can you imagine, I, and I think of this every time I read about the dedication of the temple, I don't know how many have ever smelled a large amount of animal blood or animals burning it's not something that says, hmm, I want a steak. A large amount of animal blood stinks. Animals burning stinks. It's a smell that kind of stays with you. And it's not in a, oh, it smells like grandma's house. If grandma's house smelled like that, don't go to grandma's anymore. <laughs> I can still remember what my grandmother's pancakes tasted like. Honest, I still can. Even as I'm preaching now, I can still remember what they smelled like. Her house did not smell like dead animals. Um, but so how? So but in the New Testament, totally. Wow, we the rabbit. The rabbits are big today. Um, so in the New Testament is where we look at for sacrifice. Go to Romans. You had to know. Then a time it talks about sacrifice. We were going to end up here eventually. Romans chapter 12. Verse 1, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So our bodies are our sacrifice. That means our time, our talents. And I don't know about you, but anything that involves my time is a very large sacrifice, especially today. I don't know why. You know, it talks about and it says last days will be running to and fro. I think that's an Old Testament. I think it's an Old Testament uh, prophecy. Um, have you paid attention to the comings and goings? If you did everything that everybody asked you to do outside of this church, you would never be home and you would, be, you would be home just long enough to sleep and eat and shower. Why? Because it leaves you no time to think. Um, let's go to another sacrifice, our faith. Go to Philippians chapter 2. 
Oh, how about, I looked at the right, yeah. I thought it said 17, uh, 7, but that's a good verse, but it's not the one. But let's look at verse 17. Uh, let's, let's go to verse 14, because that's a good verse. Uh, do all things without murmurings and disputings. See also Numbers 11.1. 1. My children know that one, so they can tell it to you what, what it's the David Corey translation. That they may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. That's America today. Among whom ye shine as lights in the world, if you're anything but a total failure as a Christian. That's not in the Bible, but holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice in, I joy and rejoice with you all. Man, it's time for new glasses. Um, so our faith is a sacrifice and our service is a sacrifice. It takes faith to live the Christian life. No duh. Um, but especially today when there's just an insane amount of crazy out there. But so that's another one of our sacrifices. Um, go to Philippians 4.18. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. So your gifts to others and to God's work. You say, well, no, wow, you're really original there talking about tithing as part of sacrifice. Yes. Because I think it was uh, John D. Rockefeller that said, if I hadn't tithed when I made $10, I never would have tithed when I made a million. Don't ever fool yourself into thinking, oh, I'll tithe when I make money. No, because when you make money, the check is bigger. And if you didn't get used to writing a $10 check, what makes you think you're going to write a $1,000 check? You're a fool. Um, there is no way around that. You are a fool. Don't ever get sucked into that lie. The devil always wants you to do, you know, God is in the delayed gratification business. Satan is in the delayed payment business. He always says, if you do, you can always do that tomorrow. No, it says now. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. So all of this was free. This wasn't anywhere in the notes. You do it now. Do it now. Don't delay. Don't put it off till another day. Patch the pirate. You know, hey, get these kids learning that stuff because it sticks in there. I know a lot of Bible. You know, it says, from a child, from a child thou hast learned the Holy Scriptures. I heard it from my grandparents. Both sets. I heard it from my parents. I heard it from people in this church. I heard it from plenty of people who are now in heaven. I heard it when I was Elisha's age, Timothy's age, Karma's age, and way younger. Because you know what? It's super easy to go off the rails and do stupid. Because again, that's your default setting. 
You know, like in a computer, when you do a cold reboot, what's it do? It goes back to what it knows. Well, when you do a cold reboot, it goes back to headed to jail. Let's just be honest. You left to your own devices are a jailbird. Me left to my own devices am a jailbird. I'm a really bad one. Um, so again, that is a sacrifice. And you know what? It's not that big of a sacrifice because it talks about um, over and over again, Luke 6.38, good measure. That's talking about pers investing in personal relationships, but it's also a tithe verse. Let's go there again. So I was talking with Aaron Bean before the thing started, where typically I do between 3,500 and 4,200 words when I preach for this. So I have 4,600. We're not going to get to all of them tonight because um, I'm way off the rails here. Go to Luke 6.38. And this is talking about personal relationships, not tithing. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together shall men, and running over, shall men give into your bosom for the same measure that you meet out. The same measure shall be measured to you again. I don't think it's unscriptural to talk about tithing because that principle when it talks about tithing is over and over again when it talks about tithing. But it's talking about personal relationships. Honestly, in my flesh, it's easier to write a check than to talk to some people. I'm just being honest. If you say invest in that person, but they're a pain in the neck, they're a jerk, they're stupid, and I don't like them. <laughs> I would just rather write a check. Well, no. According to this verse and in context, you're supposed to invest in them. I wish I had to skip that part because that's, uh, that's a little more convicting than the rest of this. But to me, investing in people is, where, is what that verse is talking about. So... Again, somebody besides me must have needed that, but I sure did. And then our thanksgiving, Hebrews 13. By him, therefore, who's the him? Well, it's Jesus Christ, if you look in verse 13. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And that goes to Philippians 4, where it talks about... Uh, nope, can't find it, but it's in there. Um, but our... Oh, it just left me. He, the, our praise to God is sacrifice. And, you know, and it talks about in Romans chapter 1, and it says, and it's talking about all the bad things, and it's one of the characteristics is, and neither were thankful. If that isn't a summary of today's society, I don't know what is. You hold the doors for somebody, they don't say thank you. You give somebody money. You gave me 100. Why wasn't it 150? Well, because I don't like you. <laughs> You know, I, gave, I just gave you something that I worked for. It doesn't matter. But as Christians, don't think you're immune to that because we, we're, every day we go out there, it's all about me. It's not all about you. It is actually all about you. It's all about your sin. Let's talk, you know, 
it is all about your sin. That's part of your problem. That's my problem. You know, the biggest problem I have is the guy whose teeth I brush every day. He is an idiot. And by the way, even if you don't brush your teeth every day, the, pers <laughs> the person whose teeth you brush the most is your biggest problem. They, you are your biggest problem. I am my biggest problem by a factor of 10. Again, totally free. But Romans 1, 21, because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. So ungratefulness creates vain imaginations. Boy, if we don't have that going on today, I don't know what. And their foolish heart was darkened. So there was a lot in there that was not on that page. So if we are seeking God, so let's get back on the, get back on the trail here. If we're seeking God, purification is a natural byproduct. Let's go to Ezra, back to the Old Testament. Now you'll say, and I, hey, there's parts of Ezra that are kind of boring. When it talks about all the people that came and went. If you can read all those and really pay attention, you're doing better than I am most of the time when I read through the first half of the book of Ezra. But... But it is important because it says every word of God is pure. So he took the time to write it. We ought to take the time to pay attention. Oh, that's... Hmm. Oh, here it is. And the children of Israel, which are come out again of captivity, and such as separated themselves from the filthiness of the heathen land. That's us. To seek the Lord to God to eat, and did keep the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy, for the Lord had made them joyful and turned their heart to the king of a king of Syria and to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. Um, so that's one of the times when it talks about purification. And then it talks about Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat, I'm, I'm going to, for the sake of time, I'm going to read some of these. Second uh, Chronicles 23 and 4. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah came they to seek the Lord. So seeking the Lord is associated with fasting. And if you don't think fasting is purifying, you haven't done it. I hate it. Um, I think of all kinds of things about when I'm fasting, but it's usually about things I shouldn't be eating. But um, Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, And I set my face unto the Lord to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Again, purification. Uh, Hosea 10, verse 12, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground. There's been many verses, many messages preached on that verse. For it is time to seek the Lord. Again, it is time. Till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Um, so again, fasting is associated with purification. Let's go to, so what happens if we, if we do seek him? He will, if we seek him, he will find us. Uh, go to 1 Chronicles 28.
Let's go to verse 7. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever if he be constant to do my commandments and my judgments as at this day. Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, in the congregation of the Lord, and in the audience of our God, keep and seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God, that ye may possess this good land, and leave it for an inheritance of your children, both you and forever. Let's skip down to the end of verse 9. If ye will seek him, he will be found of thee, but if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Uh, let's go to Matthew 7, 7. I do know verses in the Union New Testament too. No, that is not the... I don't know. I got it. I got it wrong. Man, alive. How about I look at Matthew, not Mark? Sorry. That Mark seven seven has nothing to do with what we're talking about tonight. Just so, you, just in case you were wondering, it's really time for new glasses. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Interestingly enough, the, the, the major words in that sentence, ask, seek, and knock, if you take the first three letters, the first letters of all three of those words forms ask. Totally unrelated, but uh, go to De I'll read Deuteronomy 4.29. But if, thou, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him if thou seek him with all thy heart. Jeremiah 29. In a little bit of context, I mean, I know most of you know this, but for those of you who don't, Jeremiah is not an overly positive book. Jeremiah is not recorded with one convert to his credit. He was imprisoned. He was a lot of things. Um, so this is, this is talking about just after... This is talking about he just pronounces that, oh, by the way, boys and girls, you're going away for 70 years into, the, into Babylon. And that's in verses, the first eight verses. Um, but he said, don't worry, in verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. So you are about to go through 70 years of correction. Then ye shall call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me, and ye shall find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. So he just gets telling them, hey, it's going to be bad because you messed up. But if you repent, it can be fixed. So that's, if we seek him, he will find us. And then we are to seek his face um, continually. Um, and I would say continually and right now. Let's go to Isaiah. Isaiah 55. Now, Isaiah is not an over, overtly negative book like Jeremiah, though there's some bad stuff in Isaiah. But there's some pretty good stuff in Isaiah, like Isaiah 53. The last few chapters of Isaiah are very positive. They talk about Jesus Christ coming back. 
Um, verse, and I think this is, uh, I think this is, this is a frightening verse. Seek the Lord, Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he may be near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto his Lord. He will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. So there's talking about a time when today is the day to seek God, not tomorrow. Um, Genesis 6.3, it talks about my, my spirit shall not always strive with man, yet his, hundred days, yet his days shall be 120 years. Now that's after, when it ta- in Psalms, when it talks about man's days shall be th- uh, three score and ten, and if by some measure of strength, four score. This is in Genesis, where in Genesis it says we have 120 years. I, don't, I know a few people that have lived to 100. I've known nobody that's lived to be 120. But even then, if you live to 120, God's not going to speak to you forever in his current form. Um, James 4. James 4.13. Go to now, so this is a warning. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye, ye know not what shall be tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes the way. For what ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. So again, you don't know how long you live, whether you're the youngest person in here or the oldest. None of us are guaranteed a breath at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. None of us. Because it says somewhere, and I think it's in the Old Testament, where it talks about even our breath is in his hands. Um... And when you die, um, when you die, seeking the Lord is no longer an option. You're done seeking God. You may be saying, I wish I had, but you're done. Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 25. So there's a finality to some of this stuff. Now again, this is Matthew. Not everything in Matthew is Matthew is a kingdom book, but this this concept is in a couple places in the old in the New Testament. Then he shall say unto them as left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil of devil and his angels. Go to and this is where it's mentioned again. Revelation 20. So this is talking about the finality where there's not going to be any more seeking. Because up until this point, God's while you're walking and breathing, today you can seek God. But after you die and you've not gotten saved, this is what's going to happen 
Um, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to his works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whoever was not found written into the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. When you're in the lake of fire, nobody comes out of there. People and things come out of hell. People and things do not come out of the lake of fire. That's it. So when you're there, judgment is upon you forever. Um, let's look at one last thing. Um, for those who are saved, um, when we die, seeking is over too. Go to John 14. Because, you know, it talks about um, when we die, faith ends. As Christians, when we die, faith ends. When we die, seeking ends. Let your not your heart, 14.1. You had to know I was going here. This, let, you, let your not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If this were not t so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So when we're with Jesus Christ in heaven, we're not going to have to go looking for him anymore. We're not going to have to deal with that idiot who, whose teeth you brush every day. He's done. She's done. You are in a purified body and you are with Jesus Christ. And then the last one. Uh, Revelation 22:20. 20. So this is at the end of Revelation, and he says, "He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. And that's so be it." And then John's commentary was, through divine inspiration, was, even so, come, Lord Jesus. So he is coming, and when he comes, we don't have to go looking for him anymore. We don't have to seek him anymore. A um, couple other things, and then I'll be done. When we find him, we find rest. You know, the world talks about rest. They want to be rest. You know, they want some R&R. &R. No, people don't say that about vacation anymore. Because now you go to Disney World and you run around like a chicken with your head cut off for seven days and spend $10,000 and go, what in the world did we do that for? Um, but there is no rest outside of Jesus Christ. Um, the, there's a, something in 2 Chronicles 15, uh, 15, 15, And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with their heart and sought him with a, their whole desire, and he was found of them. And the Lord gave them rest round about. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my own yoke upon me and learn of me, for I am weak, meek and lowly, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Um, this one's a good one. 
Jeremiah 16 or 616 thus saith the Lord stand and stand ye in the ways and seek for the old paths where is the good way and walk therein and ye shall find rest for your souls but they said we're not going to do it that's my they said we will not walk therein God wanted to get to not send Jerusalem to Israel into captivity but they said nope we want to go to prison they were stupid just like the people who stand before God he says depart from me ye workers of iniquity I never knew you I hope there's none I hope There's none of them here tonight. The time for seeking is soon be over. And I know there's some in here who that verse would apply to, but it doesn't have to. The world wants peace and rest. We want peace and rest. But if we ignore this the old paths we're not going to have any of it you're going to have heartache just go down to just go down to the ask the homeless person who's there because of drugs and alcohol or the person who tonight is saying I've got to go to work tomorrow and I don't want to go to work tomorrow to go to my stinking lousy job well you have a job so it's not you know you live in America but you don't but they don't have you don't have to be there if we go to Jesus Christ he's going to give us rest that is the result of seeking after God and we won't if you know in a hundred years everybody in this room except for maybe the little ones like the five-year-olds our, our seeking will be done I hope it's positive and that Romans 4 or John 14 is your is your case I really hope it's not Revelation 20 depart from me and cast into the lake of fire but so what is so what is the the meaning of all this just one final thought and I'll, and I'll be over I've already hit on this because I had thought about it as I saw it you know the and one final thought and I'll be done you know one of the principles of Bible study is the law of first mention. I've never heard of this one, but I'm sure somebody said it. There's also, and this proves that it's interesting, the law of last mention. Go to Revelation chapter 9. And I'll be quick. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw, we'll go to verse 1, and I saw a star fall from the, from, this is during the tribulation to kind of set the stage, uh, fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and was unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. They got to be some weird-looking scorpions, but and it was commanded that or locusts and it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass, 
nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only those men which had not the seal of God in their foreheads. So everybody who's not saved. This is the tribulation. This isn't today, thankfully. And to them was given such that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented five months. That's quite a bite. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. Again, ouch. This is the last time the word seek is mentioned in the Bible. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it. And they shall desire to die and death shall flee them. So during the tribulation, a seeking is done. In Corinthians, it talks, or, um, it talks about a strong delusion. I, I've heard it preached, and I believe it to be the case, that if, you're, if you are under the sound of this, my voice, and you understand what I am saying, if you are in the tribulation, you're in trouble. You are as good as in hell. And I do not say that lightly, but you are as good as in hell. The seeking is over. The last time seeking is mentioned, it's not mentioned in a positive way because by then we're already where the wrath of God is on the earth. I don't want, I don't plan on being here. I know I won't be. But it's just interesting. The law of first mention, I've never heard it put it this way, but the law of last mention is this one's bad. So make sure that you're doing everything. Seek the Lord while he may be fine. Call upon him while he is near. That's right now. Um, so what, can, what seeking? Seeking is a deliberate action that takes preparation. Purification and sacrifice is a natural part of the process. If we seek him, he will find us. Uh, we are to seek his face continually. Seeking his face will not continue forever. When you have found him, the result will be rest and relief from your captivity. Um, let's pray and then we'll be, we'll be done. Lord, I thank you for what you showed me this week. I thank you for, Lord, even the conviction of things that I need to work on and take out of my life. Um, that's the one, the one good thing about uh, not... One thing, good thing about preparing for a message, I have to hear it first. And Lord, I pray that you'll just be with those tonight, Lord, and be with those under the sound of my voice who don't know you as their Savior, that the seeking, will, they will seek you. And for those of us who are saved, we'll recognize that the seeking will also not continue forever. And help us to be faithful to you and be a good witness and testimony. In your name I pray. Amen.